is the Colby Daniels Podcast and my weekly conversation with Will Brewer on this Thursday. Will, we're a couple days away from the last UFC card for a couple weeks as uh, this is just going to kind of whet our appetite for a two-week lead-in to UFC 264. Man, it's, it's perfect. I really like how the UFC uh, laid this out. I mean, even though we're not going to have a card next week, like, in two weeks, we're, we're going to be all just waiting and craving Poirier-McGregor 3. Like, I love how they did this. Even though it's not going to be a fight card next week, I'm with it, man. Isn't it kind of crazy that we're only two weeks from that trilogy fight and it's still pretty quiet on the Conor McGregor front? Yeah, I think that, that just tells me that I really think he's focused. You know, normally he's trying to sell the fight uh, at some point. Like, we're we're never normally two weeks away from a McGregor fight, and he's been this silent. So I think he's really locked in. And uh, same thing for Poirier. Poirier's not much of a trash talker anyway, but I think both of these guys, I mean, the talking is over. I mean, uh, you've done uh, talking in the first fight. Uh, the second fight, you were all buddy-buddy. You know, you had a little uh, mishap and everything with the with – the, um, charities and stuff right but you know now, now it's just time to see who's the better guy uh it's one one uh it's just time to fight i'll tell you man i i really do feel like conor mcgregor fight week is going to elevate the trash talk i feel like he's going to ramp this thing up uh because you're right i mean the last time around it felt a little off to be a conor mcgregor fight but see these guys like hugging and handing off the hot sauce at the at the weigh-in, and I mean, it was just a very buddy-buddy feel, and the next thing you know, Conor McGregor gets knocked out, and that that picture of him laying on the canvas becomes a meme. It's all over the internet. I just can't imagine that, and like you talked about the, the whole charity thing, I don't know how much of that is even being played up to potentially add some fire to this trilogy fight, but... I will be absolutely stunned if two weeks from today it's still extremely quiet and we haven't heard anything from Connor. I think he's going to really sell this thing and really do his best to play the mind game against Dustin this time around. Because look, Dustin's admitted it. It it worked the first time around. Connor got into his head and Connor got an early knockout. Dustin's obviously a much more experienced fighter at this stage, and I don't know that that would have an impact. But if you're Connor McGregor, aren't you at least? Going to attempt it? Yeah, because, you know, that second fight, it was way too buddy-buddy. Definitely not what we're used to seeing from Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor, uh, a huge part of his game is that mental warfare, right? Like, um, getting in guys' heads. You see what, what it did to Aldo. You see what it did to Poirier in the first fight. You see what it did to Eddie Alvarez. Like, that's such a big part of the game, that a part of his game, that when you get into the uh, fight with him, you just – completely go away from your game plan and Connor is still locked into what he does. And it, it's part of the reason why he's looked so good. Um, so, you know, when it came to that second fight with Dustin, he was really locked into what, to, uh, what he was doing. He knew that uh, Connor was going to uh, play that role, but uh, Connor didn't even do it. So it, it worked out better for Dustin knowing that he could just completely focus on the fight, focus on MMA, focus on the skills, focus on the game plan. And, uh, he executed it perfectly. You know, those calf kicks, they added up and uh, it really affected Connor. So, um, and it, it ended up being the knockout for Dustin. So here, here for this third fight, I'm sure we'll see that mental warfare. And especially in the, in the press conference and the weigh-ins and everything. Uh, I feel like Connor's definitely going to put on a show, but uh, just here in the, in these weeks leading up to it, I think he's just focused, but um, 
fight week, I think he'll ramp it up. Yeah, he needs to be focused. I mean, this is a guy that hasn't spent much time in the octagon, although the resume speaks for itself. The star power uh, speaks for itself. This is a guy that we both picked against simply because he's fighting a guy that's that's had a ton of octagon time, a guy that's been in a ton of wars, a guy that's extremely experienced at the highest level in the octagon the last time around. And, uh, you know, we were looking at... at that all of that same stuff for Connor, and it was pretty one-sided. And and I I think you and I both felt really good about picking Dustin. In fact, like I I, I didn't think you were going to pick Dustin. Uh, so you know I, I we both went into that fight I think feeling pretty strongly that uh, that Poirier was in a much better position. Although, look, nobody was saying that Connor didn't have a chance. We saw Connor sting Dustin a couple times in that first round. Connor is still an extremely dangerous finisher, and he could finish this fight. But uh, I, I just felt like Dustin was in a much better position uh, to do what exactly what he did, and that's be a mixed martial artist. So we'll see what Connor's done over the last six months. But as far as the trash talk goes, I absolutely expect it. I will say this. I do wonder how difficult it is to talk trash when you're about to face a guy that just knocked you out six months ago. Like, I don't know, maybe that that makes it a little bit tough to to really pull out all the Conor McGregor antics. Secondly, I it, it was weird because, like, people, I felt like, even though people were down on Conor after that fight, I think a lot of people really in, uh, appreciated how, like, quote-unquote classy he was in defeat. And I wonder if if maybe part of that is like parlaying that into the buildup to this fight. And then if he wins, he's back to flamboyant, you know, outrageous Conor McGregor. Yeah, you know, he there's not much that he can say. Like you said, Dustin Poirier just knocked him out and uh, Dustin turned him into a meme, right? So, I mean, what what is Conor exactly going to say? Like, oh, I knocked you out six years ago, whenever that fight was. <laughs> right. uh, I mean, he, he, he could do that. Like, yeah. um, I was just playing the role and now I'm, I'm back to who I am. He could say that. But how much can you how much can you really talk knowing that just uh, six months ago um, you were laying on your back and uh, Dustin uh, beat you? So. Uh, there's not much for him to uh, to say. Uh, Dustin did a really good job in that fight, uh, utilized the game plan. So moving forward for Connor, it's going to be interesting to see how he responds. Um, yeah, like I said, I think he's just going. He's really focused on uh, working on the actual MMA, like instead of just being a, a straight boxer. Like he's actually uh, going into this with an MMA uh, game plan because you know. We were so confident in picking Dustin because of those wars. Like, he had fought Justin Gaethje, who was a big knockout guy, and he knocked him out. He had fought Max Holloway. He had fought uh, Anthony Pettis. Like, he had so much combat uh, experience just in, in wars with these uh, superior lightweights and everything. And Connor had just taken so much time off. And it, you, you could just tell, like, you, Connor's really good. Like, he's a two-weight world champion. You know, he's done some really good things in this sport. But if you're taking that long out of the sport and then you can't just come in um i guess a guy as accomplished as dustin poirier who's just been adding on the the fights and the the experience uh with dustin poirier's skill set you can't just think that he's going to come back in and just uh, roll over a guy like poirier so yeah we were both confident uh knowing that uh dustin would probably win because connor he's he starts out really fast but then you know what happens after that are you going to tire out after the first or second round you know that's been what he's 
uh, that's been tough for him over the uh, course of his career. So uh, Dustin did a good job of exploiting that. And, you know, we're, we'll see what Connor does in this fight uh, leading up. Two weeks away from the trilogy, Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor, and after Saturday night, that will be our next UFC event. Uh, by the way, breaking news as far as UFC 264, Kevin Lee, who we have not seen in a long time, Will, uh, was finally returning to the Octagon. He's moving up to 170 against Sean Brady, which is not an easy opponent, especially when you consider you're a 155er moving up to 170. Uh, I was really looking forward to this fight. By the way, I, we talked about this a couple days ago, but I was shocked this wasn't on the main card. Uh, and and this fight has disappeared. They're going to try to rerun this thing in August at the August pay-per-view. Uh, Kevin Lee has suffered, I guess, a rib injury is is what I understand. But um, I was I was really surprised this wasn't a main card fight. Yeah, you know, I think just with the with the names that are on this card, uh, it was tough to, to put in a, a Sean Brady and a Kevin Lee. But, you know, even then, Kevin Lee's got a name. Sean Brady, he's uh, a rising prospect in the in the game. So this fight definitely could have been um, a main card fight. But I think uh, just with how the, how the UFC yeah. likes to shape up their, their card now, it's just better just to put a fight like this on the prelim. Because from top to bottom, this card is stacked. You mentioned stacked. How about this? Early prelims. I'm just going to give you three of the five fights on the early prelims. We have Omari Akhmedov versus Brad Tavares, middleweights, number 13 against number 15. This is on the early prelims for this card. We have Jennifer Maya and Jessica I in women's flyweight. Jennifer Maya is number four. Jessica I is number seven in women's flyweight. We have Ryan Hall and Ilya Tapuria as the the last fight on the early prelims, which I don't think either one of those guys have a number uh, next to their names, but still a really good fight. Uh, and then on the prelims, um, Carlos Condit, Max Griffin is your feature prelim. Nico Price versus uh, Michael uh, Prieta Lima. Uh, I never say that one. I don't roll my R well enough to say his name uh, correctly. Unfortunately, Sean Brady, Kevin Lee disappears, but then Trevin Giles and uh, Drickus Duplessis, uh, if I'm saying that one right. Um, that's n n Those are the early prelims and the prelims, which are absolutely loaded. Yeah, I mean, a lot of those fights could be like co-main events on, on fight nights or main events on fight nights. Like uh, a lot of ranked uh, fighters on this. And then like, I'm, I'm so happy just to see Ryan Hall get a fight because he's a guy that's, been wanting to fight but you know injuries have kept him out people just saying no to him people don't want to fight him how, yeah yeah people don't want to fight him just because of uh his submission threat i mean he's probably one of the best guys with submissions in in the whole ufc so uh it's not surprising that he's that he's not been able to get a fight but you know trevin giles he's a young uh prospect who's looked really good um carlos condit and max griffin that's going to be great like we saw uh, we were counting out max griffin and then we saw in his last fight how he got that knockout uh, looked right. great. Uh, that, him and Kana is going to be great. Uh, Jennifer Maya and Jessica I, uh, two former flyweight uh, title challengers. Um, just yeah, just from top to bottom, like this card is loaded, and then the the main card as well. I mean, it's just loaded from top to bottom. Sugar Sean O'Malley is a draw all by himself, regardless of matchup. Uh, I mean, Wonder Boy Gilbert Burns to me is one of the most exciting fights of the year. And, and then, obviously, the trilogy fight between Poirier and, uh, and McGregor. So, 
Yeah, two weeks from uh, Saturday night, UFC 264. That is going to be a blast. All right, let's uh, rewind to last Saturday night. Our main event, Will Brewer. Uh, I was completely wrong about this main event. I felt like these were both really elite featherweights in this fight. Uh, I really liked both guys, but I kind of felt like they were just at different stages of their career. I felt like Dan Ige was still on that incline of, you know, reaching the very best that that is within him. And I kind of felt like Korean Zombie may be on the other side of that. Uh, couldn't have been more wrong about that fight. I, I think we really saw, not, not and, and this is not a knock on Dan Ige, I, I still think he could be a world champion or at least a contender in this weight division, but we, we saw how much work he still has to do and to see the layers within Korean zombies game on display on Saturday night was, was really refreshing. Um, you know, I think he kind of has this stigma of fighting one way, uh, and we really saw another version of Korean zombie. And I thought it was just a brilliant performance. Yeah, man. The Korean zombie looks great, man. Uh, you know, Danny gets really tough. Uh, he's, he struggled in these five rounds, five round fights, and it's not because he's not good, but you can just see he's a young guy. He's got a lot of power, but you know there's still some things that he has to work on. But uh, at the same time, you know I came into this fight thinking that uh, this is going to be a stand up war. These guys are going to bang it out for five rounds. It's going to be crazy fight of the year type same. fight. But you know Korean Zombie just showed you know uh, that he's got other layers to his game that we haven't seen in, in such a long time. You know, I think the last time that we really seen him take the fight to the ground and utilize his grappling and that type of thing, like, I remember him doing it against Dustin Poirier. But, you know, uh, since then, you know, it's really come few and far between in a way. Yeah, that was so, nine years ago, by the way. Right. Yeah, it's been so long <laughs> because he's he's been finishing guys. So you, kinda, yeah. you, just, you yeah. just forget that he has that layer to his game. And, you know, it was the perfect time to, to bring it out because Dan Ige was going to come and uh, pressure him. And uh, it was going to be a stand-up war. I think um, his last fight with with Ortega, how Ortega just really switched it up on him, uh, showed different layers of his game, uh, and then Korean Zombie had didn't really have an answer. I think people just kind of not necessarily wrote him off, but kind of just thought like, okay, maybe you know Zombie's starting to get it's starting to get to that time where he's falling out of the the championship picture. But uh, he proved to everyone, including me, that uh, he's still a very very uh, uh, tough contender uh, in the featherweight division. So uh, he's definitely a guy to, to look at uh, when it comes to that uh, featherweight title picture. What's next for Korean Zombie in your mind? Man, um, you know, I think the, the, the logical thing would be if Max isn't going to fight um, Yair Rodriguez, yeah, I think you just go ahead and put uh, Max with him. But on the other hand, uh, Yair uh, is still without an opponent for that uh, July 20 or 17th or 24th, whatever it is. You know, maybe that's that's a quick turnaround. So maybe not. But yeah, I think uh, you just go ahead and just book Max with uh, Korean Zombie. I, I think that's a, a, a fight that will sell like crazy. Oh, uh, yeah. That is the main event of a fight night. Um and uh, just roll with it that way. Uh, depending on how long Max is out, I think uh, that is just the perfect uh, fight for him. I don't think they would ever do it, but Max Korean Zombie, I think, is borderline good enough to to headline a pay per view. 
Yeah, I agree for sure. I mean, those are two guys that, you know, I I, I don't want to say they, they supersede the sport and non-MMA fans would just be able to point them out, but if you have any sort of interest, if you are a, an extreme casual and you occasionally tune in to the UFC, those are two of the guys that you're going to know. Right? Absolutely. Max Holloway. <laughs> and I remember the first time that um, that Zombie was on a, a main event with Aldo. I remember me and my friends were, uh, were at Hooters. Literally, nobody was talking about Jose Aldo, the dominant world champion. Right. Everyone it was talking about the Korean Zombie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that that fight would be a lot of fun. Um, I I would love to see it. I you mentioned Yair and what's going to happen with him. Uh, Giga Chikadze is another name that I think uh, he's a little bit further down the list, but I, I think he deserves an opportunity at one of the higher ranked guys. I don't know how many of those guys want to drop all the way down to whatever he's ranked now, number nine or ten. Um, here's another name to remember: Edson Barboza. Uh, as far as that division and who could be waiting. So there's, there's as far as who currently doesn't have a dance partner, I, I think there's about five guys in play with Korean Zombie and Yair and Max and then Giga and, and Edson Barbosa that you can figure out a way to, to at least pair two of those five together. And look, it, it might end up being Max Holloway who just doesn't get an opponent and waits for the title shot, but... Um, yeah, I think that uh, that division has a lot of really good matchmaking opportunities right now with the guys that uh, not only are established stars, but the two names that uh, are are down there at nine and the nine and ten spots in the rankings. Yeah, you know, I'm starting to think like if I'm Max, um, it's it's June. It's about to be July. Um, the the Ortega um, Volkanovski fight is it's looking like it's going to happen in September. Um, at this point, you've waited this long. Do you just go ahead and just wait it out, wait for that fight to happen? And then depending on if, you know, this fight, whatever happens with that fight, uh, if it's going to be like a quick turnaround or something that you can just know, like, okay, you're fighting on this date, you know, maybe if I'm max, I go ahead and just wait. But if it's, if they have a five round just war and then you just don't really know like what's, what's going to happen next. Right. Then I think if I'm max, you take a fight. But I think at this point he's waited this long. He's got an injury. Don't rush. You know, you're the number one contender. Uh, if you, you're going to be the guy to get that title shot. Now, on the other hand, for the for the uh, other four guys, like I would love to see if Korean Zombie and Yaya Rodriguez ran it back. Like that fight was just so crazy the Absolutely. first time. Like I would love it if those two guys ran it back. They're close in the rankings. I feel like um, you could sell the rematch and everything because of just how crazy the ending was and everything. So. Uh, that would be a, a crazy fight. And then even if it's Yair versus Edson Barbosa or Yair versus uh, Giga Chikase, like how great are all those fights? Um, Korean Zombie versus Edson Barbosa, how great is that fight? Like all, all four of those guys uh, just mix and match, like whatever you want to do, all those fights, put those guys together. They're all great fights. Yeah. Um, I, Calvin Cater, I think the timeline for him was toward the end of the year, and and he's the next guy uh, as far as rankings go that uh, we would have to bring up. I still I, I still haven't heard anything on Josh Emmett and his expected return, um, unless I just missed an announcement. I think it was last summer that he tore the ACL, right? So uh, right. we're we're looking at like a year. 
for Josh Emmett. But uh, Dan Ige obviously just lost to, to Korean Zombie. So, uh, yeah, I think those uh, those next two guys in the order with Edson and, and Giga, um, and and I think the what those guys have shown as well, uh, warrant them getting opportunities uh, versus somebody. So, yeah, if I'm Max and I can't get something booked, the only way I'm fighting again is if if I can get something booked before Volkanovski or Ortega fight. If you can't find an opponent before those two guys are going to square off in, what would you say, September, then, yeah, I think at that point you're better off waiting. But, but for Max, I, I do think that what he did in January was so impressive that I would like to see him capitalize on the momentum before a title fight and and ju- just get an extra fight in because I think it just helps his star power to have him active um, with what he was able to accomplish against Calvin Cater on ABC, massive audience. Like, it was... I'll, I'll say, and until I say otherwise, that's the most impressive individual performance I've ever seen in the history of the UFC. So, uh, yeah, I would love to see him get in the octagon again, but if you can't find somebody before September, then at that point it just no longer makes sense. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, if it's not number one, it's definitely in the top, like, two or three. I mean, uh, do you think of, like, what Conor McGregor did uh, to Eddie Alvarez? That was a great performance. But, you know, what Max did, like, from start to finish, from around the start of the fight... For 25 the, minutes, the, yeah. Tw- yeah, 25 minutes straight. He put on an absolute clinic. I mean, uh, he didn't finish the fight, but he had a lot of uh, a lot of chances to finish the fight. A lot of um, a lot of combinations. I mean, when he got going and just the way he was just like kind of taunting him, stunting on him, and everything, like you don't see stuff like that in the octagon that much, man. Just talking to the commentators, you never really see that. Like Max put on a show. Uh, it was it was incredible. I've never seen anything like that. Um, definitely. If it's not one, and I'm I'm trying to think of all the crazy performances I've seen, if it's not one, it's got to be in the top three. Yeah. All right, uh, the co-main event from last Saturday night, Sergey Spivak and uh, Alexei Olenek. Oh, by the way, before I, I move on, um, Dominic Reyes, or uh, sorry, Dominic Cruz, calling Dan Ige, uh, Dan Ige, over and over. <laughs> I was like... Does Cruz know something that I don't? And look, I, I mispronounce names all the time, so I'm, I'm not making fun of him by any means. But, uh, I mean, it was Dan Ige in a main event, and I was like, wait, have we are we all saying this wrong? Yeah, and then like, Bisping's like, I, I think he said it, and then Bisping just ha- had to look on his face like, did he really just say Ige? Or like, <laughs> really? Like, come on now, man. Like, uh, <laughs> Yeah, that that was bad. And he kept doing it too. I'm like, yeah. somebody just tell him in his mic, like, hey, it's Ige, bro. Like, right, come on Ige, now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I had to I had to throw that out. Uh but Sergey Spivak and uh Alexei Olenek uh was the co main event. We had a uh unanimous decision for Sergey Spivak. Uh any thoughts on this one? It kind of played out um kind of how I thought it would. Um I thought if uh, Sergey didn't get the knockout, it would just uh, go to a decision. I didn't really see Olenek finishing this. Um, you know, heavyweight fight, anything can happen. But, uh, you know, I just think Sergey, you know, he was he's big. Uh, and at this point, I think Alexi's kind of just passed it. Yeah. Uh, so. Can we just get Alexi to a 60th win 
in his MMA career so we can, you know, he's 59 and 16, Will. 59 wins. Let's just get him to the 60 man. mark and, yeah. yeah. Yeah, at this point, he's fighting these young guys. I think at, at some point, one of these guys is going to be able to get, but, uh, you know, these young guys coming up, uh, they're hungry, they're young, so, you know, maybe one of these days he'll get one of the, uh, one of the young guys, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, all right, now we kind of get to the, uh, man, the first four fights on this fight card were just unbelievable between the finishes and then the fight we're about to talk about. Marlon Chito Vera and Davy Grant, this fight was spectacular. It goes the distance. There wasn't a finish, but, man, da- first of all, Davy Grant, tough as hell, which we already knew, and Marlon Chito Vera will just, I mean, putting all the skills on display. That was uh, that was a remarkable performance. Really impressive for Cheeto Vera. Yeah, man. I think we, we're starting to see the, the real evolution of Cheeto Vera. We're starting to really look at him as a guy who can be uh, a world champion, or at least he should be mentioned with the, with the guys at the top of this division. What's crazy is 135 is just so loaded that a guy like Cheeto Vera kind of gets lost in the shuffle, right? So, um he fought, you know, a tough Davy Grant. I, I think we both kind of knew, like, at first, Davy Grant was going to, you know, really pressure him, For sure. really take it to him. Um, I had I had Davy Grant winning that first round. Uh, it was close, but I think Davy Grant just uh, did just, just enough to win it. Same. But uh, from there, you know, Chido Vera made the adjustments. Uh, I think that he showed a, a lot of improved fight IQ. Uh, and not just in this fight, but in a lot of his fights that he's had, he's showed a lot of uh, great fight IQ. And I think that fight with Aldo really helped him because he kind of went at Aldo uh, in that first round. And I think in this one, he kind of labored back a little bit, let, let Davy Grant kind of tire himself out. And then in the second, third round, he really took over. And we just saw Chio Vera just really take a step. And I think um, he's he's going to be a one to really watch in this uh, bantamweight division. And like I said, it's just so crazy that this division is so loaded because a guy like Cheeto Vera, even though he's so good and he's starting to grow in this sport, he gets lost in the shuffle. Yeah, uh, obviously had the loss to Aldo the last time out, but bounces back in a big way. Um, I'm with you. I had I had the first going to Davy Grant by a small margin, and then I thought Vera just ran away with it the rest of the way. Um if you wanted to score the first four, Cheeto, I don't. I don't think it's egregious, but I, I would disagree with that. Um, but man, those final ten minutes, I, I thought he was just unbelievably impressive. And again, Davy Grant showed a lot of toughness as well. But uh, those elbows, man, from from Cheeto oh. Vera were vicious. Yes, slicing open uh, Davy Grant, and then you could just see like all the blood getting into his eyes. And uh, when the rounds were over, like Cheeto Vera had all this blood on him, like. I think it's just another layer added to Cheeto Vera's game because we haven't really seen uh, Cheeto Vera use elbows much. You know, we, we know that he's a good kicker. Uh, we know he's got hands and everything, but uh, using the elbows and then uh, taking David Grant down and everything, uh, it's, like I said, it's just showing that he's adding layers to his game, and that's scary because Cheeto Vera was already good. I mean, uh, they were showing the highlights yeah. of when they fought the first time, and it was just—it looked like it was just a completely different guy out there. Uh, David Grant just had his way with Chido Vera, but now, um, fast forward—I think this is uh, five years later. Um, Chido Vera has grown in this sport. He's—he's uh, he's been through it. He's—he's he's seen almost everything, you know. So uh, I think the—the the experience, his fight IQ—it's all growing. He's putting it, all the skills together, and uh, man, 
Cheeto Vera is going to be one to watch for. Who do you want to see him fight next? He called out Dominic Cruz after the fight. I love that fight. I love that matchup. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, Dominic Cruz doesn't sound like like that's something he's interested in. He wants to fight up, uh, kind of feeling like he might have one more run at a title, and he certainly doesn't want to go down as far as rankings go. So uh, what what do you want to see from Cheeto Vera next? To be quite honest with you, um, and this and this depends on if he wins uh, in a couple weeks, I would not uh, be mad at a Cheeto Vera versus Sean O'Malley rematch. Um, I think that fight ended so, so fast and, and granted it was because of what Chio Vera did, but I think it's, it has like a, a added layer to it because Sean O'Malley doesn't view that as a loss, you know, yeah. when he was uh, getting announced by Bruce Buffer, um, he was, uh, Bruce Buffer set his record, but Chito, or, uh, but Sean O'Malley held it to zero. Like, no, nah, that wasn't no loss until <laughs> I defeated. So, you know, I think, uh, Chito Vera needed to win. And I think Sean O'Malley gets this win. I think it would be great just to put those two guys together. But if not uh, Sean O'Malley, I mean, that division is so crazy loaded. I mean, you can put them – there's so many guys that you can put them with. Um, man, uh, man, who would make sense? Yeah, I'm looking. Like, um, obviously, Jan and Sterling still have to fight. We're about to see – uh, Sanhagen and uh, Dillashaw in a couple weeks. Um, Rob Font's out of the question. Uh, he just lost to Aldo. Uh, let's see. C- Cody Garbrandt's there at number five. Um, uh, Rice is about to fight Marab. Frankie Edgar sitting at number seven. Um, that might be, uh, I mean, by the time it feels like that Sanhagen knockout was a long time ago, I don't know how long he plans on taking off, but. I mean, if that's like an end-of-the-year type thing, maybe that makes sense. Um, I Like I said, I love the Dominic Cruz matchup. I think stylistically, Dominic Cruz and, and Cheeto Vera would be a lot of fun. Yeah, that fight would be crazy uh, because just because of how much Cheeto Vera has grown, and then you kind of wonder like how much uh, Dominic Cruz has left. He looked uh, pretty good in, that, uh, in his last fight. Uh, I forget the kid's name that he fought, but... Uh, he looked so good in that fight. I, was it I thought Casey Kinney? Yeah, Casey Kinney. I thought he won that fight uh, pretty clearly. I, uh, they said it was a split decision. I didn't agree with that, but yeah, uh, he, he looked good. You know, it, it had been a while since he fought, um, but I think uh, I'm kind of with Dominic Cruz. I think he's uh, I think he's got another run left in him. So if I were him, I would want to fight up. But um, if you're just kind of searching for a fight. You know, go ahead and give Cheeto Vera an opportunity because that fight would be great. Yeah, for sure. Um, by the way, the two guys that uh, rank above and below Cheeto Vera, I also would like to see Jimmy Rivera or Kyler Phillips. Oh, yeah, both of those. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, Jimmy Rivera's coming off of uh, that loss to Pedro Munoz. Um, Pedro, who, yeah, yeah, Pedro. Just destroyed so, his uh, leg. Yeah, it's destroyed his leg. And, uh, He's still he's still a guy that could be a, a top ten, top five type guy. It's just like this division's getting so loaded that right. you know he's moving down now. So maybe at this point, uh, if Cheeto Vera is has that has championship aspirations, you go against a guy like Jimmy Rivera who's going to test you in all areas of of, uh, of MMA. So that would be a great one. Yeah. All right, the next fight we got a hit from last Saturday night: Sungwoo Choi and Julian Arosa. 
Well, we were both on the Arosa side of this fight. Uh, he had the incredible knockout against uh, Nate Landwehr in, in his last fight. Um, I was really high on Julian Arosa. And look, on the other side of it, I watched Sungwoo Choi fight Yusuf Zalal in, in February of this year. And I'll just say, I it, he looked good, but he didn't look like the same guy that we saw on Saturday night. Holy cow. Whatever Sungwoo Choi did in the last few months to prepare for this fight, he looks nasty, man. The power, the speed, the precision. Um, I I walked away really impressed with this guy. Oh, yeah, man. I was so impressed. The first like combination that he threw, it was so fast. It was so powerful. It had bad intentions. And you could just tell, like, as soon as uh, Julian, like, seen, seen it, he was like, oh, okay. It is, like, this guy's coming after me. And from there, it kind of seemed like he was on, like, alert. Like, okay, I, I need to watch it. But but Troy was just throwing these punches just so fast. But, like, the speed was incredible. You don't see speed and power like that often, you know. Uh, the speed was just crazy. And Julian Rosa, I think when uh, those punches were coming, I think the game plan just changed from, okay, I can probably knock this guy out. I, I can be tough. I think he he wanted to close the distance and get a hold of him, but Sungwoo Choi uh, did a good job of managing distance while still being able to throw the these power shots, these these killer shots. Yeah. And then eventually uh, one uh, got to him and it was uh, it was over. So, man, Sungwoo Choi looks good, man. If he continues to look like that, I think Featherweight's got another uh, contender on their hand. He uh, he is dangerous, and I, I I would have no issue whatsoever with the UFC giving him uh, maybe one of those 11 through 15 guys right now because when you have a performance like that and you, you just show the physical ability to look like one of the premier 145ers, um, give him the give him the opportunity to face somebody that, that has that same sort, sort of skill set and, and see what it looks like on the other side. So um, I'm, uh, I'm definitely highlighting the name and uh, really looking forward to the next time we see him in the octagon. Yeah, I I think you should give him a guy uh, ranked 11 through 15 or just someone who's like hanging on uh, right at the uh, end of it, uh, like 16 or 17 or whatever. Uh, give, give Sungwoo Choi a chance to really showcase himself again. I think uh, showcasing himself like he did on the main card of, of a fight night like this, um, I think he made a good name for, for himself, and I think he deserves uh, a, a guy around that uh, 11 through 15 mark. Alex Cesaris, uh, Bruce Leroy, is ranked number 15. Uh, Sadiq Youssef is number 11. Uh, I think uh, either one of those would make sense. Oh, yeah, because both of those fights are stand-up fights. I mean, maybe Caceres will want to take it down at some point, but for the most part, both, both of those fights are stand-up fights, so yeah. both of those fights would be fun. Or if uh, the UFC really likes to do this, uh, if you just want to see what he what he's capable of as far as Mixed martial arts, Bryce Mitchell's ranked number 12, and uh, Evloev is number 13. Yeah, I mean, Bryce and both Mitchell, of those guys uh, are going to want to take him to the ground. Yeah, so if you really want to see like uh, his all the layers of mixed martial arts for him, put him in there with a guy like Bryce Mitchell. You know, Bryce Mitchell, um, even though he's got crazy ground game and submission game and everything, uh, he's it's it's known that he can get tagged on the feet, so... I think you put him in there with a guy like Sung Woo Choi, a guy who's dangerous. Uh, it'll really help Bryce Mitchell, and we'll really get to see what Sung Woo Choi is made of on the ground. Yeah. 
Um, two more before we make our picks for this Saturday night. Uh, Bruno Silva and Wellington Terman. Um, I this one I don't really have a, a lot to say about it. Uh, mostly because. Bruno Silva making his UFC debut. Uh, he was my pick to win this fight, but in terms of uh, having any sort of like giant expectations or anything like that, I didn't. But obviously gets the first round finish. And uh, once again, this was just a really exciting fight card that Bruno Silva was a big part of. Yeah, man. You know, there wasn't a lot out there on Bruno Silva. Like I said, it was his UFC debut. Uh, I, I had picked Terman because I had seen more of him. But, you know, as this fight played out, you know, it just it, it was just clear that Terman did not want any parts of uh, Bruno Silva on the feet. And then uh, once Bruno Silva got a hold of him and uh, got him down, he was just started raining down punches. And uh, that was the end of that, man. Uh, Bruno Silva looked really, really impressive. And that it was just uh, a, a phenomenal performance by Bruno Silva. And uh, we'll be excited to see what happens with him next. And the fight that opened our main card on Saturday night, I am very happy to be giving Matt Brown, the immortal, his respect after a KO win over Diego Lima. Will, this was one that I I said last week. I thought Matt Brown was still a really dangerous fighter, still a guy that can knock you out, but I also thought if he was going to do that, it was going to happen early in the fight. Um for him to get that when he did surprise me. Not not that he can't knock you out, but uh, you know we've seen him go all out early in fights and then start to fade a little bit, and that's just you know that's that's what age does to you. But uh, that was awesome for Matt Brown. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. You know, I really wanted to pick him last week, but I I didn't know if he still had uh, that fierce that violent streak in him to go out there and get a knockout like that. You know, I with with the way the sport's been going. Uh, the older guys have kind of been getting phased out. So I kind of just thought, like, man, does Matt Brown really have this left in him? Um, and, you know, I really wanted to pick him, but I just thought, you know, Lima was going to chop up his legs and just uh, kind of coast to a decision, maybe a 29-28. And, you know, at first it was kind of looking like Lima was going to was gonna do that. He was chopping away at his legs. But Matt Brown just uh, stayed with the pressure, uh, stayed in his face, and uh, ended up landing that punch that uh, put him away. Uh, I was really happy to see Matt Brown get that knockout because, um, you know, for for these older guys who have been getting phased out, uh, it still shows that these guys um, have something left in the tank. And it was good to see Matt Brown get a win like that. Absolutely. All right, let's uh, let's fast forward to this Saturday night, our final fight card before UFC 264. Um, Will, I let you down. I, I forgot to uh, to add the points to the overall scoreboard. But I can tell you that uh, you're either up by eight or nine points. So <laughs> I would just say Will Brewer with a comfortable lead after uh, getting points in the main event last week with Korean Zombie defeating Dan Ige, which we were on the opposite side of. Yes, thank you, Korean Zombie. Uh, even though I uh, only picked you just because I was going the opposite of my man, Kobe, but <laughs> I, I really appreciate the points, my brother, and uh, we're going forward. There we go. All right, let's start with uh, this UFC fight card, which apparently is going to happen on Saturday afternoon. I'm glad you gave me a heads up to that because I had not even paid attention to the start time uh, for this fight card, so I very well could have missed it on Saturday. Uh, but we start 
at uh, 155. Will, we have Renato Moyacano, 14-4-1 overall against Jai Herbert, 10-2 overall. Moyacano is a minus 190 favorite, plus 165 for Jai. Man, uh, so I think uh, Moicano is really talented. Uh, I think, you know, he was at 145, and uh, he was uh, on his way to a championship fight, but, uh, you know, he lost to Ortega in a fight he was winning, uh, but just got caught in a submission. We know how dangerous Ortega is. I think Moicano, um, moving up to 155, he's still trying to find his uh, his footing in that division, but I think he um, he has the potential to do something really special in that division. Even though it's the best division in in the entire UFC, uh, I think he has a chance to make a name for himself, and I think he'll do that. So I'm going with McConnell in this one. Yeah, same for me. Last time out, he was. Uh, I don't know if you remember the the Fazeev knockout uh, that he took. Um, I, I do think this is a really talented guy. Uh, I think he just, you know, at 155, there aren't a lot of. Uh, not that any fight's easy, but. At 155, I mean, you're talking about sharks uh, that are, are not even ranked. Uh, so it's just a really deep, talented division. I, I think that this is just a guy that, uh, in, in Jai Herbert, that isn't as, as experienced as a lot of the killers in that division. And in terms of just a more, like, friendly matchup to get a win at 155, this is probably about as good as it gets, right? Yeah, I... I think this is one of those where they're trying to throw him a bone. I think they know what they have in Moicano. He's got uh, the look. He's got the uh, the uh, the physique and everything. Uh, I think I just think at this point, uh, fighting at 155, when he was at 145, he was a lot taller. Uh, he had a reach advantage on a lot of those guys. I think uh, at 155, these guys are starting to reach him uh, in a way that the 145ers couldn't. So I think he's uh, struggling with that. But I think with this fight with Herbert, I think they're – they're trying to throw him a bone and just trying to see uh, if he can find his footing at 155. But I, I, this is a, a, a fight that Moicano definitely should win, but we'll see if we'll take advantage. All right, so we're both on the Moicano side of things. Uh, next fight, welterweights Nicholas Dobby, Dolby, 19-3-1 overall against Tim Means, 31-12-1 overall. Tim Means is a minus one sixty two favorite. Nicholas Dolby, Dolby plus one twenty five. Man, this one's tough. Uh, this one's really, really close, as the odds uh, say. Uh, Tim Means is really experienced, but you know Dolby uh, is very tough in his own right. Um, man, this one's close, but uh, I think I'm going to go ahead and go with Dolby in this one. I think. Uh, you know, Tim Means is is always dangerous, but I think Dolby just has more ways to win. I think if Means doesn't turn this into a brawl, then uh, I think Dolby will uh, run away with the decision. Uh, it, may, it may not be as easy as I'm thinking, but uh, I'm thinking probably around 29-28 decision win for Dolby. All right. Um, I have the same score, but I'm going to go Tim Means. Um, I, I feel like over the course of 15 minutes, Tim Means is just one of those guys that kind of nickel and dimes you as far as the scorecard goes. Uh, he's just, you know, he's just a gritty, tough fighter that's going to find ways to score points over the course of 15 minutes. Um, I, I, I don't necessarily feel like this is uh, one of those fights that I expect to be a finish. So um, I, I, I just, I, I like the experience and the toughness overall from Tim Means. So this should be a pretty good fight, though, and I think a pretty close fight. 
Uh, so there's our first fight, Will, that we're on the opposite side of. Let's go, Dobby. All right. 145ers featherweights. We have Andre Touchy Feely, 21 and 8 overall against Daniel Pineda, 27 and 14. Our friends at oddshark.com have Feely as a minus 185 favorite, Pineda plus 160. Now, you know, I hate to be a guy who's a, a prisoner of like uh, their last performance, but uh, I can just remember uh, Cub Swanson and uh, Daniel Panda uh, fighting and Cub Swanson getting that knockout. <laughs> and uh, Andre Feely, you know, he's always a guy who's fighting the toughest, the toughest competition out there. His last fight was against Bryce Mitchell. Um, and it, Which was you know, a brutal matchup. Yeah, brutal matchup for him, but... When it comes to um, someone who's willing to stand and trade with him, uh, he's he always has a good chance to win. So um, I remember him fighting uh, Sadiq Youssef, and uh, you know Sadiq was looking was looking good in a lot of his fights, but he goes up against Andre Feely, and you know it's it's tough. So I think um, I think I'm just gonna go ahead and go with uh, Andre Feely, man. Uh, I think uh, the stand up will will reign supreme. Yeah, same for me. Uh, Andre Feely, uh, I just think uh, he's just a little sharper. Um, I think he, he a little more versatile, I, I think, in how he'll he'll uh, beat you when you're standing up. So, uh, Andre Touchy Feely, great nickname, by the way. Yeah, it just goes together. It, it, it rolls right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, 135ers, we have Rayoni Barcelos, 16-1 and one overall against Timur Valiev. If uh, that's the correct pronunciation, 17 and two overall odd shark has Barcelos as a minus two thirty favorite Valiev plus one eighty. I mean, just judging by the records, this uh, is going to be a really close fight. Um, but I think Barcelos, man, uh, former champion in a, in another um, organization, I think, uh, I think at this point, I think uh, he's really solid wrestler. I think his wrestling is just gonna uh, be too much for uh, man. I don't even want to even try to say his last name. Is it Val- Valiev? Valiev. That's what I'm going yeah. with. Yeah. So uh, I think his wrestling is gonna be too much for Valiev, and uh, I'm gonna go with Barcelos. Uh, this is Barcelos for me all the way. Um, I think this guy could be a champion, and he's currently not even ranked at 135, which just speaks to. <laughs> the depth of that division, right? You have guys like Barcelos. You have guys like, uh, who we talked about Casey Kinney earlier. Uh, Sean O'Malley is still a guy that's not ranked at 135. Like this division, a lot like 155 is deep and there are sharks currently that are unranked. But this is a guy that I really believe could face a number of guys that are, that are in the top 10 and I would pick him to win. I, I think he's that good. Um, he's had a lot of bad luck. I think he's had three fights cancel in the last six months. Um, two of those were to, um, let me rewind real quick. Um, I had this up a second ago. Jeopardy music insert here. Um, <laughs> he had a fight in December against Marab cancel. He had another fight against the Sun Sal in February cancel and then a fight uh, in February also against uh, Marcelo Rojo cancel. So three fights in the last six months, but two of those fights, Marab and, and Asuncao obviously are 
our top 15 bantamweights. So um, circle this guy. I'm really excited to see what he does on Saturday night. And another big-time performance, I think, probably puts him right back in a big fight picture because I think that's what they were trying to accomplish. But at some point, you just have to take what's available, right? Yeah, I mean, I I think just him taking the fights with the Sun Sal and a Marab, I think that just shows like he's he wants to take on any and everyone, and he wants to move up and he wants to move up quick. Um, and I, at this point, even he's also thirty four years old. Yeah, yeah, at this point, even though he's uh, he's wanting to move up really really fast, at this point, you just got to take what's what's there. You got to take a fight because you win this fight. Um, you possibly get a number next to your name, uh, even though that, that division is just so loaded. But um, at this point, you just had to take a fight, and I think that's what he's doing. Yeah. All right, our co-main event in the heavyweight division, we have OSP, Ovent St. Pru, 25-15 and 15 overall against Tanner Bozer, the Canadian, 19-8-1 overall. Tanner Bozer is a minus-135 favorite, plus-115 for OSP. This one's uh this one's a pretty interesting fight. Um you know, Tanner Bozer, uh he's pretty skilled. Uh and I think when you when you ha- when you fight a guy that's coming up from light heavyweight, um, there's not many light heavyweights who just have that heavyweight power. Uh so a lot of the light heavyweight's gonna mix it up with wrestling and everything. But I think OSP is a guy who's gonna just he's got the submissions and everything, but uh, he's a guy that's going to be more than willing to stand and trade. Um, I think I think this is a winnable fight for OSP. Um, I question uh, what his power is like at heavyweight. I remember him fighting Ben Rothwell at the beginning of the pandemic at heavyweight. Yeah. And um, Ben Rothwell won, and OSP, I think he struggled with how tall Ben Rothwell was. Uh, so... You know, I think this fight could go either way. Uh, just just thinking that I'm going opposite you, I'm going to take OSP. Okay. You are going opposite me. Uh, okay. Give me Tanner Bozer. I think this is a guy that I, I do believe he's one of the best 15 heavyweights in the sport. Um, I, I think he's still a guy that is working on his skills. I think he's a guy that's still improving. Um but I, I, I also think that he can be beaten. Um, you know, OSP's a veteran. OSP's been in a lot of fights. Uh, so I think, you know, there's, there's just that fight IQ there uh, that, that probably benefits OSP. But, you know, going up in, in weight, uh, you mentioned the Ben Rothwell fight. I also, like, go back to just Jamal Hill and how dominant he was against OSP on the feet. And... Um, even though, you know, Tanner Bozer is not going to strike the same way that Jamal Hill is, the power uh, will be on another level. Uh, so, yeah, I'm uh, give me Tanner Bozer in this fight. And I also think that um, with Bozer, he's lost his last two uh, with decision. I think uh, a lot of his losses in the UFC have been uh, to a decision. So I think yeah. he's going to want to go out here and get a finish. So he's going to have to be uh, careful. Yeah. I mean, there's. I feel like there's a little bit of desperation there for for Bozer, right? Like it, you just you can't lose three in a row in the UFC and and uh, not feel like your back's against a wall. So um, I, I think he really needs to show that uh, that he can get a W. And honestly, I think that's why he gets this matchup. I, I think this matchup says 
that they're trying to give him a winnable, a winnable fight to get to kind of right the ship. Right. And, uh, he, you know, that loss against the TP was really close. People say that he could have, uh, that the decision could have went to him a uh, very close fight. Uh, but yeah, like you said, that's, that's two losses in a row for him. He gets another one, especially when you look at the heavyweight division and a, a lot of young guys are like bolting to the top. Like surreal gone is, uh, is already there. Um, uh, Tom Aspinall, Sergey Spivak, Marcin Tybor, a lot of these uh, young heavyweights are uh, are just getting up there. And Turner Bosa was a part of that group for a while until he started uh, losing these fights. So I think he's he's trying to get back on track with this uh, win uh, with this fight with OSP. He's uh, it's a quick turnaround for him. Uh, he just fought I think two weeks ago, so quick turnaround for him. He wants to get that win. All right, our main event on Saturday night is heavyweights. We have premier heavyweights at that. Cyril gone 8-0 overall. He is currently the number six heavyweight in the UFC against Alexander Volkov, 33-8 overall, the number five heavyweight in the UFC. Oddshark.com has gone as a minus 150 favorite, plus 125 for Volkov. Man, this one, this one's, this one's tough for me. You know, Surreal Gone, I've been high on Surreal Gone since he got in the UFC. Uh, as soon as I, the first time I watched him fight, I was like, yeah, that guy could be uh, a heavyweight champion. Uh, just his, his Muay Thai is just uh, second to none. The way he manages distance, very, very skilled fighter. He'll win fights by decision, just proving that he's better than you, or he'll uh, finish with, uh, with submissions and stuff. So, He's pretty good everywhere, but Alexander Volkov, man, since he lost to Derek Lewis, the way he's looked, uh, the size that he's put on, uh, just he's not going out there trying to uh, get decisions because you know you could be on the wrong side of it in a fight that you think that you won. So Volkov is putting on this size and he's trying to go out there to finish guys. Like he finished Walt Harris, um, he he decimated Alistair Overeem. So. I think Volkov is on a he, he's on his way up, but man, I think oh, this fight is so crazy <laughs> because, because like Surreal Gone, you know, he's gonna go out there, he's gonna want to outpoint him, I think, but Volkov's right. gonna want to just go out there and completely decimate him. So I think we're really gonna get to see how violent Surreal Gone can be because Volkov is gonna force that out of him. Uh, I think Volkov's gonna show him uh, the respect, uh, but. Volkov's going to want, he's going to be pursuing him, pressuring him to try to get the finish. So we're going to get to see how uh, violent Sirogan can be. So, uh, so as far as my pick, I just made my pick in my head now. So I'm just going to go ahead and go with Sirogan. All right. I like it. I like it. Uh, I think Sirogan is, is a future champion. I, I think he's that good. Um, he's, he's very young in his career. He's 8-0. I, I just don't think he's reached what we're going to see from him yet. Like he's, he's still got a long way to go. I think to be the elite now saying that he's among the elite right now. I just think like that's a testament to what his skill set is, what his athleticism is and the more octagon time he accrues, what he can turn into. I think when I watch him, actually he kind of reminds me of what Volkov used to be a little bit like a very technically sound, uh, outpoint you kind of guy. I, I feel like you mentioned this. Volkov has bulked up, but I, I feel like Volkov has turned a corner 
from just kind of being a, a, an outpoint you guy to a violent guy. Like at some point in this sport, you can be really technically sound and, and try and win on the scorecards, but at some point, you're going to have these exchanges and you've got to be the more violent guy in that cage. And I feel like we've kind of seen Volkov develop into that. I, I'm not saying gone isn't that or can't be that on Saturday night, but I don't feel like we've really seen him in those firefights yet. And when he's thrown into it, I just don't know what the reaction is going to be. Whereas with Volkov, I kind of feel like he's going to try and force that on Saturday night. So uh, from a violent standpoint, I, I feel like I've just seen more of that from Volkov. And look, there aren't very many people that stand on the other side of Cyril Gaon and are the more physically impressive person, right? Like right. Volkov's going to be three inches taller than God in this matchup. And generally God uses his size and length as a, as a massive advantage, which he will not have in this fight. So uh, I'm really excited for this one. Uh, it wouldn't at all surprise me to see God win because again, I think he's that impressive, but uh, I don't think it's his time yet. So I'm going to take Volkov. Yeah, it's crazy because this is Surreal Gon's ninth professional fight, and he's on the cusp of getting a title a title shot with this yeah. win. Like, yeah. It's so crazy to me that he's just taken this sport and done so well. But, you know, you brought up some good points with Volkov. You know, Volkov was the guy to kind of outpoint you uh, at, at the beginning, but I think that loss to Derek Lewis was, like, the best thing that could have happened to him because that was the fight that he was winning. Yeah. And it and Derek Lewis got a knockout in the last like 30 seconds. He was winning it for so 24 goes, minutes of the fight. <laughs> yes. Like yeah. there was no point in that fight that Derek Lewis was winning until he got that knockout. I think what that showed him is that the heavyweight division, anything can happen. So you even though you can outpoint guys, like you still have to be uh, a guy who's willing to be violent and you know, not be the, the guy that's so technically sound. I think that's what's real gone is right now. And, you know, Jarzinho in that last fight, Srogan's uh, last fight against Jarzinho Rosenstrike, Rosenstrike really get, showed him some respect. I thought that would be a fight where we see uh, Srogan in a, in a firefight, you know, right. putting, putting himself out there. But both of those guys kind of just kind of laid back. But I think in this one, Volkov's going to be pursuing him because he knows, like, uh, this is a heavyweight division. Uh, I put on size. I, I can get the knockout whenever I want. He's got uh, nasty kicks, but... Uh, Skrill Gon's got, got that as well. So it's going to be interesting to see Skrill Gon fight a guy who's just as skilled as him, but also that presents uh, that knockout power. So, yeah. um, like you said, it might be too soon for him, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm picking Gon in this one. I, I just like that, you know, especially when you look back at Gon's last fight and a lot of people weren't happy with that fight. I, I didn't blame Gon for that whatsoever because he was winning the entire right. fight. Like, at some point, the guy that's losing needs to force the action, and Rosenstrike never did that. Gone was able to really do a great job with distance management and just, you know, get get his points the whole way. He can't fight that style of fight against the guy that's bigger and longer than him. So, uh, that's what I... I love this matchup because it's going to force Gone to do something different. We're going to have to see a different layer to his game against Volkov than we saw the last time out. So whether it's a win or a loss, we're going to see something different. 
Yeah, and, and it has to be that way, right? Because, right. Um, Jar, you know, it's not a guy like Jarzinho who's going to show him that much respect. It's not an older guy like Junior Dos Santos. It's not a guy that, like uh, Tanner Boser who you're clearly better than. And, you know, it's uh, Volkov who's taller, who's got uh, more experience, uh, who can reach you in a way that nobody else has. So, yeah, we're, we're definitely going to see if Srilogan is that guy. Uh, even though we've kind of we haven't really seen everything out of him, but I think Volkov is going to force that out of him, whether he's ready for it or not. Uh, Volkov is going to force that out of him because Volkov is at a point where uh, he's done with the bullshit. Uh, he just <laughs> wants to go out there and uh, finish guys. And uh, I, like, man, I go back to that Overeem fight. Like, it was just so vicious. I know Overeem didn't present much of a of a challenge to him because he knew how hard Volkov hit. But when Volkov touched him and then just over his face exploded and yeah. just the way that he decimated him, it was just crazy to see. So I'm interested to see this fight. This is a, as good of a heavyweight fight as you'll get. Um, I think both these guys represent the evolution of the heavyweights. So uh, it's going to be a great fight, man. Yeah, love this fight. Uh, by the way, um, on the prelims, a name to look out for, Kennedy Inzechiku. Uh, who had an awesome performance against uh, Carlos Olberg a couple months ago, um, just took a beating and came out on the other side swinging, and uh, just, it, it was incredible. Uh, if you're unaware, he is uh, in the feature prelim, uh, and uh, Will, Worley Alves on this fight card as well. Yeah, both of those guys, uh, Kennedy and Zeshiku and Worley Alves, are coming off big wins. Uh, Worley Alves had been out for a long time, came back and yeah. looked incredible uh, in his last fight. Uh, and Zeshiku, he fought Carlos Alberg, and Alberg is a guy who who is Israel Adesanya's teammate, and a lot of people thought that it was just going to be a, a easy win for him. And in the first round, it looked like that because Alberg was hitting him with some incredible shots and kind of gassed himself out. And uh, Kennedy just kind of weathered the storm and then uh, brought the storm himself and ended up getting the finish of uh, Alberg. I believe that was a fight of the night. If not, it was uh, one of the crazy fights of that night. Uh, big win uh, for Kennedy in his last fight. And same thing with Worley Alves. Uh, took some time off, came back against, uh, uh, man, I forget that guy's name, but he, it, was that, it was the guy uh, from uh, Abu Dhabi. Uh, fight in front of his home, in front of his hometown, and where the Alvarez is completely uh, decimated. Oh yeah, so, um, uh, Lazez. Uh, yeah, yeah, Lazez. Uh, yeah. I'm uh, forgetting. Munir Lazez. Yeah, yeah, Munir Lazez. Uh, Worley Alvarez. That was a guy who had all the hype. Yeah, and uh, Worley Alvarez uh, completely just derailed that hype train. So, two guys look out for uh, in the prelims and. Uh, it's going to be a great night. Oh, Yancey Madero's fighting on this card as well. Yeah, he starts the thing. He starts the, the card. So what is that going to be, 9 a.m., I guess? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what time it starts, but uh, yeah. All right, so we are on the opposite side of the main event with uh, Gon Volkov, OSP Tanner Bozer, and Nicholas Dalby, Tim Means. We're on the same side of Barcelos, Feely, and Moyacano. So five total points available to be grabbed in our uh, UFC pick'em. Will Brewer, always appreciate you, my friend, and we will catch up again next week. All right, my brother. Have a good one.
the podcast is over.